today on This Christian Life. I had been praying that he would grow my trust in him. And little did I know (laughs) that that's what he was doing with this. That's Loreen, our storyteller for today. She lost almost everything she owned in the middle of the night within a matter of minutes. So why is she laughing? Because she witnessed the hand of God that night, and her trust is now in Him alone. Lorene was a California mom, caring, loving, and in her own words, maybe a bit overprotective. I was definitely one of those helicopter moms. I was everywhere controlling everything. As it turns out, God was about to walk them through the fire. It was a situation that Lorene could not control because she wasn't there. I was not in town. I was out of town helping a friend move from Santa Rosa to Denver, Colorado. We were on all day long driving and finally landed in Salt Lake City and checked in this hotel room about 1, 1.30 in the morning. Turned off the light and my head hit the pillow. And just as it did, I get this prompting, wake up, get up and check your phone. Get up, get up, check your phone. And I'm like... I don't want to get up. I am exhausted. But it was a very persistent calling to get up and check my phone. So I finally did. And I'm looking at texts. There's nothing there. So I look in my emails and there's a bunch. And the one that pops out is this email that was a neighbor that's up the street a bit. And she describes what she sees out her back window. And it's a whole lot of smoke and all this wind, she says. There is a fire and we need to get out right now. You know, my husband and my daughter are home very close to where she is in bed, and it's in the middle of the night. So I say, okay, I'm going to call and wake them up. Normally, the landline is the number that I would call, but for some reason, I called his cell phone number, and it's never on in the middle of the night, but that night, it was on. So he picked up right away, and um, he said, you know, the power's been intermittent, you know, because it's really windy, and I said, well, honey, I think there might be a fire. You know, Kim says there might be this fire. Yeah, no, no, honey, it's really windy. And we talked earlier and he said, remember, I explained it was so windy tonight. And I said, well, could you just walk me out the front door with you and tell me what you see? He goes out the front door and he can see like glow behind the houses across the street. So yes, there's something going on. So I said, okay, go wake up Karen, get her out of bed, get dressed and get the dog to just get out, get out, get out, get out. A lot of the devastation focused around Santa Rosa. That is where a chunk of the city is now burned to the ground. The northeastern part of the city, we're talking dozens of homes. There is not a firefighter in sight. We have not heard a siren. We have not seen a fire truck, nothing. And then meanwhile, my husband is ready to leave the neighborhood. And a widow neighbor of ours was in the middle of the road, just lost, totally confused. So he stops and talks to her and says, Barbara, what are you doing? Well, I'm not waiting. Well, get in your car and follow me. And just like, kind of like snap out of it. Just get in your car and follow me. She ended up following him for a couple of days. Praise God that that connection was made. Generosity, hospitality, kindness, compassion, selflessness. It didn't matter if you were shy or an introvert. It didn't matter that you didn't know the woman standing in shock in the middle of the street. None of those things mattered. All barriers were gone. If you were still alive, you were reaching out to help someone in need. 
Lorene's daughter and her friends began to frantically spread the news to save their family, their friends, their neighbors from the danger that was literally on their doorstep. So I get off the phone with him and then I think, oh, I need to call more people, you know? So I texted my next door neighbor who is a mother of six kids, all under the age of 11. And I know that she's home without a vehicle. So she answered right away. So they got up and got out real fast. And the next family I called was an elderly couple across the street from us. And I got their answering machine. Praise God, the power was there when I called because it picked up right away. And I am literally screaming into this answering machine. Get up, get out of bed. There's a fire you need to get out. And I repeatedly said that over and over. And finally, Michael picked up and he's like, Laureen, what's the matter? What's going on? You know, so I said it again and he heard it clearly. Isn't it interesting that in catastrophe, we get a clearer understanding of how precious one life really is. One particular friend, she was up and alerted and ready to go, but she couldn't get her parents out of bed. So she's running outside and a neighbor man said, I'll take you, let's go. And so she runs back in the house and she said, mom and dad, I'm leaving with this guy. And they're like, what, what? Okay, okay, what, we're up, we're up. Her family couldn't save everyone from the flames, but they did what they could. I was calling people and they were arguing with me. Maureen, the fire is in Calistoga. You don't know what you're talking about. You're in Salt Lake. Well, you don't know. And I'm like, yes, actually I do. You need to get out. It's in your backyard. In the meanwhile, my daughter gets a call from her best friend and their family were very, very close to the fire. So they tell their mom, who is already praying with this prayer group from around the nation. And one of those people on this call, not in California, told her, to stop and pray for her city. She didn't have any idea there was a fire. She didn't know what was going on around her. But so she's praying for her city. And then her kids run into her bedroom and said, mom, there's a fire, we need to get out. (laughs) So she's like, okay, we gotta go. And they run to the front door and her keys are sitting right by the door, right? Her car keys. So they go out the front door and there's fire in their face. They have to get from the front door to the car and literally the Lord just opened the fire They got into their car. They got all the way down their long driveway down this hill to the bottom. And do I go left? Do I go right? And Lord, what do I do? She goes left. And within less than a mile, there's a police break there. The police had put a roadblock there. So the other side of this story is that it's mom and two kids. Well, dad works for the city and he had been called out earlier to go work on some lines that had been fallen with the wind. And then he was sent home. And as he's coming home, he's seeing this fire and he drives up to this police roadblock and gets out of his car and says, you need to let me pass because that's my home up on the hill and my my family's up there where the fire is. And they wouldn't let him leave. Praise God, he is a believer and he's on his face praying for his family. And as he's doing this, out from the smoke and the wind on this road, up into the roadblock comes his little white minivan with his wife and his teenage daughter and son. You know, the kids are crying and, you know. And they didn't know that daddy would be there, but there he was. It's just remarkable that he was there right where they needed him. I'll never forget it. 
kept in touch with my husband. They got out. They were up all night. They ended up in the lobby of a hotel in Rona Park and the staff there at the hotel. They came in and they just made a bunch of food. They made a huge breakfast. They brought in pillows and blankets and, you know, made everybody as comfortable as possible. And my husband thought, well, we're miles away from home, but we're safe here. And they're all set, right? So I call them eight o'clock in the morning or something. I get my daughter and she says, well, dad is taking Cassie over to the kennel and we're going to stay here. And in the meantime, I had been getting all kinds of information from other friends about how the fire is pouring, racing into Rona Park, which is where they are, right? It's overtaking Sonoma State University and it's on the way to where they are. (laughs) So I am hysterical. (laughs) You can't stay there. No, no, no. You need to get in the car, get the dog and get in the car and get back on that freeway and head south, right? So... But God came in and flipped it on its head and made it for our good and for his glory. I mean, that's the bottom line. He came in here and he woke us up out of a dead sleep. And as much as I hate that people suffered and that some people died, I can't help but seeing the mercy of God and the fact that out more than 5,000 homes were gone the next day and oh, less than 25 people lost their lives. It should have been hundreds in the middle of the night. I mean, I think about what if I didn't get that wake up call? Or what if I didn't pay attention to that prompting in my head? I wouldn't have been able to be part of that whole process. And I also think about what if I lost my family? You know, I could have come home and not had my daughter and my husband, but by the grace of God, you know, I lost my home, but I didn't lose my family. Yes, things could have been much worse. The joy you hear in her voice comes from the joy of the Lord and the gratitude of not having lost her family. But she did lose almost everything else. I don't think I told you about the crazy way that I found out that we lost our home because we didn't know about it for a while, right? So that day, we get to my girlfriend's mother's house and she had this sweet little guest room for me. And I settled in there and I sat on the side of this bed and I said, Lord, you know, I would really like to know whether my house is standing or not. So I found a video that was taken by a couple that lived in my neighborhood and he was a retired policeman. So somehow he had the authorization to get up here. So they're driving down Fountain Grove Parkway and videotaping the backyards of these homes. And there's like empty lot, empty lot, empty lot. And I'm like, oh my word, oh my word, oh my word. And they get to the bottom and my house is still standing. Oh my gosh, my house is still standing, but it's in flames from the top to the bottom. (laughs) It's on fire. Oh Lord, I really wanted to know, but did I have to see it? (laughs) The whole neighborhood's gone. There's nothing left. As we've been talking about all morning, it almost looked like a bomb went off. That is the type of devastation that we're talking about right now. But because there are no firefighters here, this is just going to be left. Adrenaline was flowing and I really couldn't get any sleep the rest of the night. So I didn't get any sleep that night. But at least I knew, you know, and that's what I asked for. I wanted to know and he showed me. Philippians 3.8 Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ. So the next day, I did have a flight to come back to Santa Rosa. So they rerouted me to Sacramento and I'm flying over kind of the south end of Napa Valley. You could see like Traverse Air Force Base and just north of it, there was this huge funnel cloud of smoke on its side. So, you know, you, it was clear that things were still burning. It was really something, it was kind of took my breath away, but it's like, wow, Lord. But it just puts you back into a sense of, you know, I need to pray, I need to be continually praying. Anyway, so, you know, get off the plane, go towards the baggage claim, and I get to this escalator, and I'm at the top of this down escalator, and at the foot of it is my husband and my daughter and my dear friend Dave, who was taking such good care of them. Best hugs ever. <laughs> it's pretty awesome to have him in my arms again, knowing for sure that they're okay. That was one of the grandest reunions I think I've ever had. So we lived with Dave and Martha, then we lived in the hotel, then we lived with Matt and Sharon, who had been evacuated as well. Praise God they didn't lose their house. And the first thing they thought of when they got back to their house, she's standing in her driveway. She calls me. She goes, guess where I am? I'm in my driveway and my house is still standing. So when are you going to come over? <laughs> you can come move in. So we did. So we stayed with them for a couple of weeks. And then we rented a house that was right on the fringe of another fire, the nun's fire. So it barely survived, but it was available. So we stayed there. And then we moved into a house in um, Mountain Hawk. And the last fire that hit our town called the Glass Fire, it hit that neighborhood. And the craziest, craziest part of that is it struck directly across the street from the house we were at. And we moved out of that house, you know, March of that year. If we hadn't rebuilt and the house wasn't finished, we would still be in that house. And we would have had to face a fire that hit directly across the street of another house. <laughs> you know, it's remarkable that we weren't there. It's remarkable that out of thousands of houses in that neighborhood that was struck by a fire, only about 12 houses were lost. Again, this is a neighborhood, house after house after house. It could have been a hugely devastated area like Fountain Grove or Coffee Park, right? It was a domino thing, right? House after house. It could have been, but it wasn't. That is the grace of God. Years before this, I had been praying that he would grow my trust in him. And little did I know <laughs> that that's what he was doing with this. A big part of my testimony is that God has developed in me a trust muscle I never had. And it still needs to be developed. It still needs some growth. I still need to work it out. But it is stronger and bolder than it ever has. And I will speak of Jesus like I never before would. And people are responding and, you know, he's alive and well in Sonoma County. I mean, I used to call this such a dark county, but he's alive and well here. <laughs> he is. I think about that about the night of the fire too. How many people were on their face crying out to God, help me, help me, at that desperate moment and were rescued? or remembered him just in time. He doesn't call this suffering for nothing. It is life-changing for our good. A few days later, I was with a dear friend. She helped me go to the post office and pick up mail that had been unhelpful because of course the mailbox is gone, right? The house is gone, the mailbox is gone, whole street, all of them. So we're in line at the post office for two hours 
because everybody's there trying to get their mail. And I'm telling everybody around me what happened. And they're, really? We're taking selfies and exchanging emails. And oh, I've got goosebumps. And, or I have a friend that has a story, a God story too. That's why I know that God was waking up so many because people were like, yeah, I've heard something similar. And I hope people that have a story, whether it's about the fire story or a flood story or a hurricane story, we should be sharing this story because this is God's story. It's not my story. It's his story. And I walk away saying, thank you, Lord, for that night. Thank you, Lord, for the fire. And he needs to be glorified in this. Isaiah 61.3 promises that God will make all things right, that in his kingdom, those that mourn will be given a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, joy and praise. That's what you hear when you talk to Lorraine. For a moment, it looked like all she had was burnt to ashes, but God was giving her a beautiful story a testimony of his goodness. She could lose everything and still be glad because her real treasure is the Lord. God has promised to right every wrong, to fix the broken and make all things new through his son, Jesus Christ. That's God's promise, a promise you can depend on in this Christian life. This Christian Life is a production of Family Stations Incorporated and is not affiliated with Christian Life Magazine or Plus Communications Incorporated. Family Radio.